Welcome to the NBA Coast to Coast podcast brought to you by thelines.com. Coming to you from the West Coast, Josh Lander, joined by Nate Weitzer, who is on the East Coast. We've got two games on Thursday, which only means Nate and I were able to spend even more time on the bets that we're looking at here. We're coming off a really good Wednesday, Nate. I would call it a bit of a turnaround. We were like sliding by like 0.2 units here and there, but finally went up on the day uh, last night at 1.65 units as we went three and one in both best bets and play up props, sprinkling units here and there on a, on a decent sized slate. So I think we can uh, more adequately allocate our bankroll here tonight on just two games that we have to choose from this is best bets we also have play a props up for you guys so make sure to like and subscribe to that page and continue to follow along each and every weekday this season also want you to head to the lines.com check everything out up on the site and use that odds finder tool that we have up there you can make sure that you're getting the best odds available to you from all of these books giving us bets this nba season let's go ahead and get into your first best bet nate and one of these uh, two games that we're talking about this is a classic NBA situation, right? Classic. Stars out for the Warriors and the Thunder still sitting at minus two, minus two and a half, depending on your book. I, I will take it. And I don't think I'm I'm stepping in any in any cheese here because the Thunder are such a hungry young team that's lost 10 of their last 11 to the Warriors. And they're not going to let up just because Steph Curry's not playing. Um, so I, I think the motivation is something I can count on. And the fact that the Warriors are, have not been good all year, uh, and Steph Curry has been absolutely dragging them to any wins. And so you saw they were unable to uh, to beat the Wolves just after all those shenanigans uh, without Steph, even though Ant had an off night. I mean, it's, it's the heart of your offense and the heart of your defense, both out now with Draymond suspended for five games. The Thunder have been hot since losing a, a shootout with the Warriors where they were missing SGA. So if they can get that many points without their offensive leader, 139 it was, um, and then now SGA playing at a very high level comes in, uh, I just trust them to outscore this Warriors squad, which like, where are the points going to come from? Andrew Wiggins, 90 offensive rating on the season. Clay, 102. Kaminga, 100. I mean, we were excited about him, but he has no bag offensively. It's, I mean, maybe maybe playing with CP3 more will spark him a little bit uh, as just like in a young Amari Stoudemire. But that's all we're talking about here is, is CP3 running a million pick and rolls with Saric, Kuminga, and then hoping for the rookie B-Pod to uh, have another huge game, I guess, to keep them, keep them in it. I mean, he dragged them to even being competitive with Minnesota after those ejections and um, I just don't think that's going to be a recipe for success against OKC's length. Um, they are just so big at every position and playing incredible defense since, again, since that shootout, second in defensive rating, league high 11 steals per game, number three opponents, three point shooting, um, you know, allowing the six fewest fast break points and points off turnovers. They are giving up free throws, but I mean, Warriors are 30th in pain points this year. They have no rim pressure. They're going to they're gonna have no rim pressure without Steph Curry, um, especially. Like, I don't see them getting to the line without him. Um, Clay is not attacking CP3 at this stage. It's just these – it's old guys against against young guys. And, and SGA has been up in this matchup 31-plus in three of his last four with the Warriors. Um <clears throat> And, you know, I, I know you were a little scared to go over 31 and a half. It is a huge number for SGA. But Golden State is giving up the most free throws in their last five games. So SGA, probably a lock for like 25 points. If you want to play this 25 plus in a win, I think you're, you're probably great, getting great odds there. Yeah, I mean, everything in this game 
comes down to like there's there's really good points on both sides for why it could be a blowout where the Thunder score a bunch of points and somehow drag this total over 226 and a half because they put up like 120, uh, 124 by themselves, right? And then you, you don't need quite as much from the uh, for, from the Warriors who I don't see putting up 110 points in this game, that's for sure. So I think a team total on them under is, is probably a fair assumption. Like the thing that also has me feeling like I'm okay with the Thunder because it's a trap game. I cannot think on, on the trap game meter, this has to be a 9.8-ish on that scale. Like it, it's up there, man, because of exactly what you said. Stars out, bets up. First of all, it's no bet Thursdays, a classic staple here on the Coast to Coast show where we know that wonky weird things happen on NBA Thursdays on two or three game slates. And everyone's just like, well, of course the Thunder are going to win this game with just a skeleton crew of, of guys playing for the for the Warriors. And the thing is, is like, how, how unrealistic is it to see Chris Paul control the entirety of this game? Just send it back to the days of being an MVP caliber player uh, just for one night. Clay is so mad that he is the, was the catalyst for that giant melee melee, whatever, right? Like in the, in the beginning of that game that like he comes out and fires and finally hits more, uh, that finally gets over 20 points for the first time this season, which is what that would be for Clay if he gets over 20. Or, you know, or is it going to just be the same continues where the, the the Warriors can't guard down low and have to foul every single time that a guy gets into the paint, which is SGA's entire bag, like the, the, the majority of his bag is being able to make you off balance, get fouls, get an easy uh, mid-range shot, et cetera, or get all the way to the rim. And I think you're going to be able to do that without Draymond. You said that they're without their their best player on defense and offense. They're probably without their second most important player on offense as well. Last year, without Day-Day, they had a worse offensive rating in the nine games that he missed than they did in the like 11 games that Steph missed, or 26 games, rather, that Steph missed last season. So obviously smaller sample size, but like he's pretty important to that offense as well as, as the swingman uh, in an offense that relies on the ball moving a lot. So all of that said, like, I'm still going to take the, the, the Thunder at minus two and a half with you and just step right in it. Because I also think they were just in this situation with the Kings where they were without the Kings were without Fox in a game where everyone was like, the Thunder have to win this. And in their sort of youthful lapse in judgment, they, they probably didn't come as hungry as they could have and should have to that game against a very, you know, at this point, solid and, and high chemistry Kings team. So I, I do think they're going to be a little bit more ready for that in this one. Uh, and, and not and guarding against that. Right. So like I, I follow you on that bet essentially um, and really don't like have too much to say outside of like this offense without Steph, it's going to be worse than you've ever seen. And I think this is finally the year to like, where if you're, if you've been saying for five years that clay Thompson's going to have a really down year, this might be the one that you're right. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I hope OKC's looked at their against the spread records and saw that they were like one in five as favorites. They were barely ever favored last year and they they let it down every single time. And it's like, all right, let, let's take that step forward as a team and not just be the plucky underdog. Let's take care of business when we should. I, I like how you went through, like, all these things could happen on Thursday. Like, CP3 turns it back. Clay gets wicked hot. He didn't throw in, but Andrew Wiggins turns into the NBA Finals MVP runner-up right. and shuts down SGA. All that has to happen. Not some of that. Right. All of that has to happen for the Warriors to win this game. Like I, I OKC is is so much better than them on paper right now, um, and, and SGA is just such a reliable source of offense. He is a system, 
as we always say, and everyone should be able to play off him um, with with nobody really able to guard him. So, yep. I, I yeah, I'm willing to to lay just two points here. Uh, I don't really see how they they had, they let up here, um, and and hopefully they do. It would take a lot of anomalies. Yeah, so, <laughs> exactly. The other game is a game the Miami Heat are playing, and uh, <laughs> we're going to talk about it. The Miami Heat, at, who you know are. Maybe they're going to be a consistent streaky team this year after just coming out with with no firepower. Have now won five straight, including uh, our six straight and four on the road. Um, I'm not. I'm still not taking a, a Heat money line or win. I I mean, I, although full full discrepancy, I did take a, a money line parlay with them in the Thunder just because I think it's more likely they win this game. What I am doing is the same game parlay here on the conservative side. Bam, fifteen points, ten rebounds, and Mikel Bridges, twenty points. And that gets you slightly plus odds. And I just think both outcomes are extremely likely here based on the Nets offensive shift lately, uh, where the Cam Thomas has been out for three and a half games now. Bridges, a lot higher usage, a lot more three-point attempts from the team in general. I thought about adding Cam Johnson here um, if, if you wanted, just two threes maybe from him, which he's done consistently. But, I mean, this is a game with a really low total. Should be a lot of rebounding opportunities, even though the pace will be slow. And Bam is just on a tear right now. I believe he has six straight double doubles in those six straight wins. So that's plus 120. If you want to just continue with that trend, Bam, double double in a win. Um, you know, the Nets do have Nick Claxton in there finally. So they're not just like giving up everything to centers. But Bam, um, you know, he averages 19 and 10 in his six with Nick Claxton. That includes two games that were kind of skewed by blowouts. Uh, where he played 28 minutes, he did go 21 and 14 against the Nets with no Claxton when these teams met earlier. More relevant is how the Nets functioned in that game. They won. Game was actually played at a pretty good pace, 102. Cam Thomas went four for 19, just like hogging usage, not getting buckets. Bridges still got his 21 on a lower 28% usage rate. And if you look at his without splits here, 30.5% usage, that's five percentage points higher than the, than the rest of the season when Cam Thomas has been out, uh, including 35% his last two with the Nets. So uh, I trust him to get 20 here. Yeah, he, he averages 31. He had a huge game against Miami last year when these teams were jockeying for playoff position. But I just trust him to get 20 uh, because the Nets, they, they don't have much else uh, with, with Cam Thomas out in terms of shot creation. Yeah, I'm glad you didn't throw Miami's money line in this bet because as much as we are also no bet Thursdays, we've also turned into no bet Miami during the regular season. Not even just because like you don't know when they're going to play everybody. You don't know when guys, their best offensive guys are going to try. Mainly I'm talking about Jimmy Butler. Bam tries every single night on every single play. I think we know that. But when you when you look at like Jimmy and the boys, as, as the, we've come to call them, because it's usually just him and a band of, of rapscallions that were picked up maybe from like free agency or, you know, undrafted guys. So like that, that's is something we don't always know about. I do think he's going to have the desire to win tonight. They did lose the last game that they just played against the nets. They've actually been losing a lot of games to the nets. They got waxed last year in a couple of different games that, that Jimmy was actually playing in. So um, I, I think he's going to try, but like the thing that really stand, stood out to me when I finally, this is the first game that I really looked at Miami. Like I haven't really capped them because I see them playing the wizards or whomever. And I'm just like, oh, skip where else are we going on the slate? Uh, but for this one, we're forced to look at them. And so finally I'm like, wow, bam, 
is this the year that, that you're a, a, another step forward in the offensive ways that you, you sort of displayed when you were in the finals last year at times as well, right? When you had like 20 a game for, for most of the finals. So yes, I think that is going to continue to be the case. I, he has great battles with Claxton. I wanted to go under with Claxton with how good Bam is at, at limiting other team centers, but Claxton has been fine against him uh, getting, you know, above the right, right around the 11 points that he is supposed to get in this game too. So he's going to be battling. Like it's going to be a close, good game. I, I can't see a blowout on either side, which is a, a main reason why I wouldn't really want to pick a side in this one. But it, it, Miami, even as, as like you said, they might just be streaky all season. There's also a pretty heavy correlation between how good the team they're playing is and whether or not they win at this point, right? They won six in a row versus Washington depleted Lakers, Memphis, the Hawks, the Spurs and the Hornets. They beat, and then they beat Detroit uh, the first game of the year and, and, and as well. So then, you know, then their four game losing streak, like I think you mentioned briefly, Boston, Minnesota, Milwaukee, and this Brooklyn team. Like, yeah, I think there's, there's revenge in, in the air, but like, there's also something to the idea that if they're going to bring this mid level, uh, roster to these matchups with teams that are better than them or as good as them, then it's going to be a dogfight for them consistently. So we'll see what they can do without Hero tonight. But um, I would almost prefer to just can take Brooklyn to continue to to you know kind of own this team a little bit the way they did last year, if anything. But uh, let me let me finish off with what I've been calling a lean, Nate. But I think I am going to hit it, and and that's the only reason I've called it a lean is because like I try not to like call something a best bet if I really don't want to bet it and I'm not going to bet it. But this one I, I'm, I'm about to get into because it's under two. I think it's, you can still get some two twenty seven and a half. Hopefully by the time you guys see this video in a minute, um, you'll be able to get some under two twenty seven and a half for this game. The two twenty six and a half probably isn't bad either. Honestly, it's only one point obviously, but you're losing a little bit of value. It opened at two twenty eight. It's, it's going to be a CP three game. So like, I think either way, that you cut this thing, right? We talked about a minute ago, what are the ways that this goes wrong for the, the Thunder and how do the Warriors pull this one out? That's There's needs to be so many things that happen there. It's hard to, to depend on that, but you can depend on CP3 slowing this thing down no matter what. There's no world in which they run up and down the court, in my opinion, with this team. Like, yes, they have some guys that can do it in terms of Kaminga and Wiggins that will be in there with a lot of minutes in this one, but they also have pick and roll heavy CP3 they have Dario Saric. They have Kavan Looney, who's going to get a ton of minutes as well. So that he's because he's now basically the only rim protector on the team at this point, outside of like Kaminga and maybe Gary Payton the second, right? Like who, who could see some five. So um, th that's going to be slow city, right? Even the bench, which is going to get more minutes for the Warriors. They play faster than the starters, but that's also just how benches are. They play way faster in smaller amount of minutes than the starters do. The Warriors play at the slowest pace of any bench unit in the league right now. So I think even the guys that are going to be coming in while some of them are a bit more athletic and like to get up and down a bunch. They're also just have to play within the system of the offense. They're not the guys that are the focal points on offense, like Kaminga and Gary Payton. They don't have the ball in their hands, making things happen. That's where CP three comes into play. He and Kavon Looney are the two slowest players on the court. When they're on the court, Warriors play at the slowest pace that, that, that they do fastest paces. When both those guys are off the floor, obviously, um, the Steph, the the defense without Steph is not really that much worse. It, it actually goes down. A, the defensive rating gets a little bit worse without Steph, but they also play at a slower pace and give up fewer points um, and are having to grind out more half court possessions. They are seventh in limiting second chance points and eighth in limiting opponents points off turnovers, which sounds like a surprise because they've always been number one in, in, in like allowing their opponents to get points off of turnovers. 
Chris Paul's in town. That's a huge part of it now uh, for why they're not doing that. And that's just emblematic of what's going to be uh, occur in this game. They do give up a ton of free throws. And that's why you get scared. That's why I'm not taking a, a, a shy at Gilgis under because he is going to get at least eight free throw attempts in this game. And if he gets to 10, probably good for at least 30 points in this game. Um, so if he eats there, that's that's where you know the points come from. I hate obviously a game where they're slowing down the the turning uh, sl- stopping the clock to get more points. Never good for an under. Um, but at the same time, like this OKC team has been playing really great defense against rosters that are about to look a lot like this this uh, Warriors one. They just held Sacramento, Phoenix, and and San Antonio uh, all under uh, their their total their team totals a ninety six and a half defensive rating, which is good for best in the league. Over those three games, I think there is something to the idea that they're getting a little bit more uh, confident together with with Chet as their anchor down low, who I think is is in line for another big game after he had 19 on this team last time. So it, it's just all 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 leads to an under man. Like, how surprised are you going to be if this thing is like 108, 101 when we end? Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, I you I think maybe people are concerned because the Warriors they went under with the Wolves in the last two, and they're like, oh, the Wolves defense is is amazing though. Like that's why that happened. But I mean, there's, there's, there's some early small sample size stuff with the wolves and clearly they were not up to the challenge with Booker and KD last night, which shows us that like, maybe they're not that amazing. Maybe, maybe they just had some good spots thus far. And the Warriors offense is just not, not going to be fast paced without Steph Curry. It's going to take them so long to get a good shot. Like how often are you going to see Chris Paul, like pointing at young guys, like you need to go there, you need to go there. And then like eight seconds is left on the shot clock. And the, just the pace of this game is going to be like, Oh man, this is like, this is not happening for an over for sure. I would definitely not take the over despite the shootout that we saw last time these teams played. Um, So yeah, might as well lean under. Yeah. That ain't it. Like the the game theory is just leading itself so much to like, actually OKC style Chris Paul being in control of this game. If you remember when he was playing with the Thunder uh, and there was a lot of 98 to 88 games that were played by the Oklahoma City Thunder when they were led by Chris Paul, where he was trying to do the same thing that he's doing here. It's almost like Chris Paul and the boys in this game because he's going to have to really lead uh, guys like Pajemski and hope that they can, like some, someone's going to have to come out of there, uh, go crazy for the Warriors that you would not expect, like another Pajemski game or something to that effect for, for them to stick, stick around and, and keep the, the points up in this one. But Nate, let's go ahead and get right into your first NBA play up for tonight. Yeah, I'm going to take Mikel Bridges to, to lead the Nets, but not necessarily taking his points. Um, that uh, 23 and a half is the points prop. And I threw a 20 plus points into a same game parlay in the best bets. But I would rather if just betting props here, go eight and a half rebounds and assists. I, I think he's a guy who you can count on for about like 21, five and five on average. And I think this is a little bit low in terms of peripheral stats, even though, yeah, we're talking about a game with a low total, a game that could be at low pace. But, I mean, Bridges has still hit this in seven of his last nine games, and and the ball's going to be in his hands a lot more with Cam Thomas out. I mean, we see the usage spike a lot um, in 11 games with the Nets without Cam Thomas. He's over 30% usage. He's at 35% in his last two. But in this situation, I think it's going to be more of a playmaking role because interesting that Miami actually gives up the second most assists per game at home and fifth highest assist field goal ratio overall, right? They make you work for your shots. They're not going to let you just ISO up and get easy looks, and and you can't expect Mikel Bridges to just, like, dominate his matchup with Jimmy Butler. No, he's just going to be the guy they're playing through, getting the Nets three-point attempts because they're taking a ton in their last few games. Uh, And also, on the other end, being being a a plus rebounder because, like, 
Cam Johnson, your four now, is a is a taller dude than Mikel Bridges, but I think Mikel Bridges is a better rebounder for sure. And, and I mean, the Nets playing small lineups around him often with Lonnie Walker, maybe Dariq Whitehead. Um, so I mean, he's he's being asked to go down there and mix it up. His rebounding rate is up to fifteen percent this year on the defensive end. His assist rate is up to sixteen and a half percent. And since Cam Thomas went down in the in the middle of that Clippers game, you saw both numbers really spike. Uh, 31% assist rate, 21% defensive rebound in that particular game. Miami, similar kind of, uh, you know, hard-nosed defensive team that's well-coached. Uh, so, but I think Bridges will, you know, the Iron Man who plays 35-plus minutes every single night will will get the, the those stats. Yeah, I think it's so funny because when we talk about the the Brooklyn Nets right now, we include Cam Thomas and his absence in like every piece of analysis because he's such a dominating force in a basketball game. And I would guess that a lot of casual fans still don't know who Cam Thomas is like pretty, you have to be pretty casual at this point, but that's, that's sort of his, his star power versus his impact on a game. It's like, they're not directly the same. It's, it's outweighs his star power in terms of how much he, because it, it's a lot of not assisting right? It's a lot more one-on-one basketball with Cam. Like he doesn't really need you to give him the ball to get in a spot to put up a shot that he likes because he's never met a shot that he didn't like. And and I still, I, I say that with, with heavy respect because you know, nothing but, the, but love for Cam. But yeah, I think the assists actually go up for a guy like Mikhail when he is expected to, to play make a little bit more because there's not just instant offense that you can just add water and stir for in terms of Cam Thomas. So um, I'm going to go ahead and uh, take us over to the, uh, the uh, keep us in this game rather. Sorry, I'm going to start with Jaime Jaquez because I, I, I want to talk about Jaime Jaquez. I've been waiting to talk about him and he only gets time so far this season. You've been hurt here and there, but he gets time when, you know, guys like Tyler Hero are not playing. So I don't have a prop for him while we're talking about this, which I know upsets some people, including Nate. It's annoying. I get it. But I do have numbers for you. If it is at nine and a half or lower, I would take an over. If it is at 13 and a half or higher, I would play an under. And if it's anywhere between 10 and a half and 12 and a half, I'm probably just leaving it alone. Uh, I know I am because I think that's about what he's that's where he should end up is right at about 11, 12 points. Um, and and I do think that the sample size of he without him, him playing without Jimmy Butler, him playing without uh, Tyler Hero in either of those situations this year, which has happened three times without Jimmy, twice without Tyler, really everything spikes. Right. And and they he's sort of the fourth banana. So as soon as one of those guys is out, he's the third banana. And his his minutes just go up from the 18 a game that he's played uh, in eight games where he was playing with Tyler Hero um, and Jimmy Butler. And then that goes up to 34 and a half minutes in the th- basically three games he's played without one of those guys playing uh, alongside him. The, the, the points per game go up from six to 16 points per game. The rebounds go up. Uh, basically everything doubles and the assists as well. So like the usage as well is what goes up as uh, pretty highly 16% with them and 20, 20, 20 and a half percent without them. He, it's like five field goals versus 13 field goal attempts, right? It's, it's just way more shots available for him. Now, I also know that, that uh, you brought to my attention, Caleb Martin could make his debut tonight and, and they are somewhat similar. Caleb Martin's way more of a guard. Uh, obviously Hawkins is going to be guarding bigger guys, banging down low a bit more as more of like a, a stretch Four, if you will, for him, as opposed to like really a shooting guard for, for Caleb Martin, which is and uh, whatever small forward, however you want to put him there. But um, I don't know that they're necessarily going to steal from each other uh, in terms of the points category. I don't really even know what to expect from Caleb Martin. It definitely throws a bit of a wrench in things if he's going to steal usage or minutes from Hawkes. But I just I don't think that they're going to be doubling down on, on the same kind of stuff together uh, in a way that they can obviously even just play alongside each other. 
Um, it, it, the shots and the threes, I, right now, I would much rather have Jaime Hawkes shooting a three than Caleb Martin, who hasn't really played basketball much since the finals. So, um, yeah, I mean, look, there's there's some fear, and, and I think it's, it's still a, fa- a viable underplay if it gets up to 13 and a half, like it's not just like, Oh, stay away from it. If it's above nine or uh, nine and a half, it's like, no, there's opportunity for an under here. Once you get to 13 and a half and higher, because of the fact that like, this is a very good team at defending exactly what Jaime Jaquez wants to do in his style of play. Uh, he's, he's a big athletic wing who's strong and oftentimes creates mismatch problems and can shoot. I just named like four dudes on the, on the Brooklyn nets, right. Who can also defend exactly what it is that they're trying to do in terms of big stretch wings, shoot athleticism can guard multiple positions, et cetera. Um, He didn't really do much last game against them because he he only got 19 minutes because of the four fouls that he was in. He was also just one for nine from the field. However, I would point out that Ben Simmons was guarding him for the majority of that game. And that was never going to work out well for Jaime Jaquez. Uh, Simmons is out for this game. So it's going to be a lot more um, probably looking at some Cam Thomas, like you mentioned, and some DFS who I don't like that matchup for Hawkins either, but I think there's you could probably exploit Cam Johnson a little bit more than than he could DFS. Um, that's you know something that I think is is going to be opportunistic for him. So, yeah, I mean, clearly a lot of unknowns. Not knowing the prop here, um, I think yeah, I would need it to be nine and a half or lower to take it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Caleb Martin did play in the first game this season, only twenty minutes. Uh, we don't really know how healthy or available he's going to be, uh, although he is technically available. But this is this is Miami Heat injury report, so take everything with a grain of salt. Um, and Duncan Robinson playing out of his mind. Um, I mean, so is Hawkes. So I, I, I don't really have a problem with saying he'll get 10 points, even though it is kind of a tough matchup with DFS, Royce O'Neal being thrown at him. Yeah. Uh, but I think, yeah, if, if the number is too inflated, when it does come out, fine with the under as well. Um, so I will take OKC here. Jalen Williams, actually, not SGA, uh, you know, for half the points, fi- over 15 and a half points for J-Dub, um, where he's averaging 17 on the season, 21% usage rate. And we saw one example of him playing without SGA against this Warriors team. He did. And, I mean, showed in- improved playmaking, but basically the same usage rate. So it's not like a situation where you say, oh, SGA is in there. He's just going to stand in the corner. Like, no, you're seeing some some real sophomore growth in terms of Jay understanding how to cut. 47% of his, percent of his field goals are assisted. That's way up from his rookie year. And how to draw fouls. Also, refs just give you actually give you foul calls when you're not a rookie anymore. So he's up one and a half free throw attempts per game. Uh, and the Warriors are dead last in free throws allowed in their last five. Also allowing the fifth fewest three-point attempts, which is great for Jalen Williams, who, again, doesn't take many threes, does shoot a high percentage when he does, but is just really strong attacking the rim with no Draymond, easier path to the rim. Warriors are going to have to sacrifice some rim protection to get some offense here. I don't know how much they can play Looney without Steph Curry out there. Um, So I I think, you know, he can get 16 points. He has 18-plus in three of his four meetings with these Warriors, including last time out this season. Uh, And I just think at this stage in his career, he's – He's more more of a savvy, um, you know, scorer. Yeah, I, I get that. I, I think uh, I do think Looney's going to have to play. I don't think that necessarily messes up your bet at all. To be honest, I just I, who's going to get rebounds for this team if Kevon Looney's not out there? It's terrifying to think about. Like they already had a size problem. They now have a way worse size problem than they had without Draymond, who standing at probably like six six. If we're being honest, still 
plays like he's 6'10", like we've always known. So that's going to be a, a big problem for them. And once the, these Thunder players get into the lane, kind of do what they want at that point. I, I think the points and assists is also good for him. We took the points and assists for him last time, by the way, because Shy wasn't in uh, when they played the Warriors in OKC, and, and that worked out very well with the eight assists that he had. Also had the 18 points. The assists, obviously, not something you want to take when Shy's in there controlling the, the ball more. But, yeah, absolutely fine with over 15 points in a game. I thought about it for him or Chet. Like, I could see Chet also kind of eating into his thing. That's why I stayed away from either of them in this one. Um, he's a good bet, though. Like, I, I'd probably put a, more like a half a unit on it just to, to get involved in the action of one of my favorite players in the NBA. Uh, but let's finish things off with an under here for Jimmy Butler. Might seem counterintuitive. I'm going under five and a half assists for him uh, against this Nets team. And I'm putting a full unit on that. But like, I, this seems mis, mispriced to me, mis, like set everything. Uh, the five and a half assists, if him getting six assists, like he's done that once this season in the nine games that he's played. It, it's not really like it's it, he's been an assist man, even dating all the way back to the playoffs last season where he averaged well under six assists uh, in the finals and in the, uh, the Eastern Conference finals. So, um, he's only got eight potential assists per game. Like, I don't really see him looking to set guys up the way that you might think, uh, you know, when he gets onto the the low block or the, the low wing um, at the baseline, basically, and, and works from there, like, and then it gets cutters going down the lane. I know he likes to do that, but we haven't seen that nearly as much. We also haven't had the same cutters that we saw on his team last year with Max Struess being one of those guys that love to get into there and, and um, you know, get into the lane, obviously, as well as... Um, uh, now who am I completely spacing on that they had last season? Either way, another athlete that I'm totally losing my mind about. But Oh, and, and Caleb Martin hasn't been out there as well. That's part of the problem for this season for, for, for Jimmy. But um, without Hero, like, I don't know, maybe there's some idea that he's going to be more of like the, the facilitator, but uh, Kyle Lowry's also been getting plenty of time out there and has more potential assists than Jimmy per game, by the way. He's up to 12. Jimmy's still at the eight when he plays, and, and Kyle's getting fewer minutes for sure. Uh, without Hero last year in a pretty good sample size, he jumped up from 5.2 to 5.5 assists per game so it's not like he just becomes a facilitator um if anything like this this choppy miami offense just doesn't allow him for many opportunities like they they haven't really been this like swing it around and and keep everybody off their toes kind of team without shooters like Struce or vincent haven't had martin in there etc now it's like more like josh richardson is out there right and you're a lot less scared of, of him shooting and, and getting the uh, you know getting open shots against you so um, he's had six assists once in his last eight games versus Brooklyn. So like, it's not like he's really looking to do that. He's definitely much more of a facilitator. He, he often has, um, I mean, he has any combination of like McHale, uh, and Cam Johnson, uh, Dorian Finney Smith, all these guys rotating on him, um, somewhat evenly actually in, in that first matchup as well. Um, and, and his usage just tells me he continues to look for a shot. He's coming off a 32% usage and then a 25% usage before that. Five of his last six, he's had at least a 24% usage, which just leads me to believe he's, he's shooting more in a game that it'd probably be pretty slow. Uh, we don't really like a ton of points in this one. Obviously, the total is pretty low. These two teams know each other well and play defense against each other very well. So, yeah, assists don't seem like they're going to be very easy to come by for Jimmy. I'll, I'll take under six. Yeah, it's a good find. Yeah, I would I would have guessed it would be four and a half uh, uh, with, you know, with not plus money on the under even because, yeah, Jimmy is not – a playmaker, he's not the lead playmaker on this team. You didn't even mention Bam, who is point yeah. point center extraordinaire for Miami. Sure. And, you know, in that in the one game Jimmy had six assists, Bam had 10 against the Lakers. It's just, you know, so it's the Lakers kind of just not playing good team defense. Brooklyn's been playing excellent defense 
the last three games here. Uh, and Bam, you know, has 14 assists in his last three. I would rather take an over on him, considering he might not um, have as much an easy time scoring on Nick Claxton, but he'll still be catching the ball at the elbow, facilitating uh, and getting the ball to guys. Um, so, yeah, I, I think you, you even saw Kyle Lowry go out last game, and Jimmy did not get this total. So it's not really an a one-to-one situation for Miami, like point, you know, who's the point guard. Jimmy's going to be the main ball handler. Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's a little more complex than that. Yeah. That's it's, it's a lot more like Denver or um, Sacramento's offense of like, you know, Bam playing that the center playing around the top of the the foul line stuff like that. It's fun to watch, man. He's become really freaking good at that. He was really good in the playoffs last year as the guy with the ball in his hands, but that's, that's the only person on the heat that I would feel comfortable outside of like a small, Jaime Jaquez, like a low points line there. Bam's the only one with the way that he's had the ball in his hands for the, dominating the offense um, for, for Miami. He's the only one I'd feel comfortable with any type of over with these offensive stats. So that is all the time we have for you in play a props, though. Continue to follow along. Much bigger slate on Friday with lots more to choose from, but a, a couple of fun games tonight that we'll be watching, I'm sure, as well as that Steelers Bengals game. So uh, continue to follow along, like I said, and until we see you next, happy betting. Yeah.